Welcome to Freedom for Anyone Ministry Podcast. Here at FAM, we believe that no matter who you are, where you come from, or what you've done, freedom is waiting on you through the work of Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed by this week's message. The title of this sermon this morning is Get Up and Go Get It Back. Get up and go get it back. Amen? I'm going to say that one more time. Get up and go get it back. Amen? That's, this is what God put in my heart to preach to you this morning. Amen? I want to, I want to tell you, I know that uh, gas prices, gas prices got us forgetting about why the gas prices are so high. Let me explain. Yesterday, I was invited to a lovely home uh, of a couple of our members, and they asked, they live around the corner from me. And uh, I mean, literally down the street around the corner. And I, I walked outside, it was hot, I was hot, didn't want to walk. And I looked at my truck. I looked at my truck and I said, man, do I, really, I want to waste the gas to go around the corner? Do I want to walk in this heat? I, I took the truck. But anyway, anyway. I understand that the gas prices got our minds off of the fact that there is a war going on between Russia and Ukraine. That there's a war going on. And, and the war happened because a neighboring country uh, has uh, gone over the borders of a sovereign nation. Sovereign meaning that they are their own nation. They govern themselves. They, they don't need uh, Russia's help. No, no disrespect to Russia, but I'm just saying this, this country has invaded and has gone over into someone else's territory. The, the, the whole goal when you go into someone else's territory, when you go in, the whole goal is to capture nouns. 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 Nouns, Pastor? Yes. Nouns. The whole goal in war is to capture people, places, or things of importance. When you go into war, when you are, when you are invaded, they come to capture important people, places, and things. I want to tell you this morning, we're also in a war. And we have an adversary that wants to come and take people, places, and things in your life. And somehow or another, we have abdicated our people, our places, and things over to our enemy. But God this morning says, you need to get up and go get your stuff back. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Who knows how I'm going to preach this morning? Anyway, it's, it's, it's your stuff. See, this is the problem. The reason they're at war, the reason they're in conflict is because you don't have the right to come into my space and take my stuff. You don't have the right to come into my country and take the things that belong to my country. Me and my countrymen worked hard for this city. Me and my countrymen sacrificed for this city. Me and my countrymen bled, sweat, and died for this But You don't get to come here and take our stuff. You don't get to come and take our stuff. 
But the enemy, the adversary, the adversary does not care about sovereign borders. He will encroach, he will encroach on sovereign borders to take what does not belong to him. What are you talking about, Pastor? Your joy doesn't belong to him. Your peace doesn't belong to him. Your right mind doesn't belong to him. Your home doesn't belong to him. Your marriage don't belong to him. Your health don't belong to him. Your ministry don't belong to him. He will come and take it. He'll come, he'll try, he'll come and try to take what doesn't belong to him. And let me tell you something, you have two options when you are invaded. You got two options. You, you can either, as the Russians thought that the Ukrainians would, sit there and let the enemy invade. You can sit there and let them come and take it because you don't want to deal with the fight. Or, or you can stand up and say, no, as for me and my house, this is my country. I'm not going to let you come and take what God has given to me. God has given this to me. God has given this to me. This is my wife. God has given this to me. What the Lord has joined together. Let not man sit up. This is my. This is my. This is mine. Royce and Jeanette, I, I hope you're watching. Girl, you are mine. Anyway, my wife, she belongs to, and I belong to her. I belong to her. So, so what's going on is, is that. Some people have, uh, have chosen to lay down and to let the enemy come in and take what doesn't belong to him. But I say, nay, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. In every war, in every war, there are casualties. Amen. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there are casualties of every war. There's a loss in every war. Right. That's just the way it happens. There are things that are lost. Uh, there, there's collateral damage, yes. unfortunately. There, there's things that, that were not meant to be hit that got hit. Anybody been in a relationship where you and your spouse are going at it, but your babies get affected? That's, that's collateral damage right there. See, you thinking it's just between you and him, but you don't understand that the, the babies are hearing all the words that are going back and forth, and their hearts are collateral damage. Be careful. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. There's also when you're talking about nuclear war. Anyway, that's what they're talking about. Nuclear war, there's this stuff called fallout. 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 Fallout is the, the radioactive elements that get caught up in dust or, or in precipitation. It's, it's not always the blast that gets you. Sometimes it's the fallout. So, so sometimes, y'all, we, we get into hot situations and it's not the blast. We, we survive the blast, but we get caught up in the fallout. Get caught up in the fallout. You got to be careful in the blast, and you also have to be careful with the fallout. Amen. You gotta, you gotta watch and pray. You gotta, you gotta seek God's face. You gotta turn to Him always, because you never know how long the fallout's gonna be there. So, so they, they come. The enemy comes uh, first, natural and spiritual. I'm just trying to make it practical. The enemy comes, and he. He tries to take what belongs. Anybody ever experienced that? Me, I have. The enemy comes into your life. The devil comes and he tries to steal, take something that God has blessed you with, right? Maybe it was a job. Maybe it's a job and you asked God for that job. You prayed and fasted and God opened the door for that job. But, but then here comes somebody. Come some, I see you laughing, Angel. I see you laughing. Angel, I put you on blast. I'm sorry. Here comes somebody. Some person, you, you don't know them, they, 
they don't know you, but they don't like you for some reason. And, and they, they, but they got a good relationship with your boss. Come on. Ever experienced that? Like, don't nobody know this person, but they, them, them and the boss get along real good. And so this person, this person, I'm just using as an example, will talk with your boss to get you in trouble. But this is the problem. This is the problem, see. You don't understand that God gave it to me. That's your problem. See, see, Russia, your problem is you didn't think we would fight back. See, that's, that's what the enemy is used to. The enemy is used to people just laying down. Because it takes work to fight back spiritually. And we, we've gone cold to prayer and fasting and seeking God's face and getting in God's word. And so he's used to just going in people's lives and taking whatever because they're not ready to fight the spiritual fight. They're not ready. They haven't been trained. They're not conditioned. You've got a condition for this. I, I know some soldiers... I know some soldiers, when, when you, you go through basic training, you go through basic training, and then after basic training, you go into AIT, and then after AIT, you have specialized training, and after specialized training, you go into the field. All of this for the hypothetical possibility that you might have an attack. Now, I haven't seen an attack on American soil in a long time, but that doesn't negate the fact that I got to be ready just in case. I got to be ready. I got to be ready. You got to be ready for the attack. You got to be ready. In, in this world, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have enemies that try to come and take. You got to be ready. I understand you've had peace for a long time. I understand your marriage has been going well for a long time. I understand your job has been going well. But there comes a point when the enemy thinks he can come take it, and you got to be ready. You're listening. You got to be ready. Amen. You got to stay ready. Amen. So I'm going to go to the word. I know I've, I've kind of been preaching already, but I, I, I'm going to get to scripture. First Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. Uh, see, the thing is, is that when the enemy encroaches your borders, you, you got to be resilient. Amen. When they come and they seize parts of your nation, you know, Kiev is one of the places that Russia wants really bad. Uh, they want it really bad because if they can get it, they can demoralize Ukraine. They can make the Ukrainian army uh, demoralized and hopeless. So they want to they want to come and capture important places. The reason they want to come in and capture those important places is so that they can impose their will on another place. The reason why the enemy comes into your home is because he wants to impose his will into what God has established. And you have to be resilient enough that even if you've lost some ground, you don't lay down. You still have to be resilient enough to say, even if I've lost a little bit, you can't have the whole thing. Even if I've stumbled a little bit, you cannot have all that God has given me this moment don't make me as I said I said before I'm more I'm more than this moment I might be in I'm more than this moment I've had some failures but I'm more than that moment of failure I might have had some mistakes but I'm more than that moment of mistakes there's more to me than that so this morning I'm going to go to where God shows us how he operates when it's something that he has given amen You've got to get up and go get your stuff back. You, there's, there's sometimes when God, as with Job, 
will replace. He will come back and he will restore. That's the way he is. He's a restorative God. But um, there are some times when God says, if you want it, you got to get up and go get it. Amen. That's, that's sometimes. Sisters, can I talk? Can I preach to sisters in here? Uh, you, you want your husband, you want your man, you want your significant other every now and again to get up and come after you, right? Get up and come and get me, hubby. Come on. Come on. Come chase me. My wife ain't got to worry about that. I chase behind all the time. Hey, girl, where you going? Hey, girl, where you going? What you going? Where you going, girl? Uh, can't wait to get back home now. Huh? Love my wife. So, so you got something, but, but if I'm just, you know, my wife is at home and I'm at home all the time and I ain't ever looking at her and she ain't ever looking at me, we got a problem. Got a problem. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. I like how y'all talking to me. I, I appreciate that. Talk to me. That's all right. And I appreciate y'all that don't. I know you're thinking. Appreciate y'all too. Anyway, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now let's, let's start at verse 1, okay? Three days later, thank you, Sister Bridget. <laughs> Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at the town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid on Negev and Ziklag, and they crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. Who, who are these Amalekites? Who? Who are the Amalekites? The Amalekites are the descendants of Esau. The Amalekites are the descendants of Esau. You remember Jacob and Esau, these brothers that had an issue? Huh? And, and so uh, Jacob took Esau's birthright. They, they say he stole it, but, you know, really Esau gave it up. He, he gave it up. And so uh, ever since that time, uh, the Amalekites uh, waged war against the Israelites. They waged war. Yeah. So that the Amalekites, that's, that's who they, they're the descendants yeah. of Esau. Uh -huh. All right? Then, then if you go uh, a little bit later on, you find that Saul, Saul, King Saul, uh, was at war with the Amalekites. And, and the, the prophet told uh, Saul, he said, I want you, by the word of the Lord, to go and destroy the Amalekites utterly. I want you to wipe them out. I want you to get rid of them completely. And, and, and Saul did not do that. He, he didn't do that. So, so the Amalekites lived on. Uh, they, they, the, the Amalekites, uh, they're like the flu or they're like COVID. You know, you, you don't, if you don't eradicate it, there's a, there's a new strand that, occur, that emerges. There's a new variant. And that's, that's what happened with the Amalekites. The Amalekites, was a, they were a new variant because uh, nobody had dealt with them the way that God had told them to. So my question to you is, who are your Amalekites? Who, who or what has God told you to let go that you have not let go? Because every time, every time you don't let go of what God tells you to let go, it's going to produce a new strand. It's going to be, and, and this is the thing about them, they're usually, once they reproduce and become and morph, they're harder to get rid of. That's usually the way it works, amen? So you have to get rid of stuff, because if you don't, it'll replicate and become a worse thing. What's your Amalekite? I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be deep, y'all know me, I'm not super philosophical. I'm just, I just hope that you, I want you to think about it. What are the areas of disobedience in your life? 
What has God told you to get rid of? What has he told you to stop doing? Is it Facebook? Is it? Is it Instagram? Is it TV altogether? Is it, is it going to that particular bar and grill? I don't know. But whatever God has told you not to, nothing wrong with going bar and grills. I go to Applebee's all the time. I like it a lot. Anyway, if you, God has told you not to go, you shouldn't go. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. I can, there's nothing that I don't have an option to do, but I won't be brought under the power of anything. So what's your Amalekite? What is the stuff that you know you're still dealing with from 10 years ago? Because you know you didn't obey God. I, me, me too. Me too. Can I, I mean, God told me not to do some things and I didn't obey. And I'm standing here dealing with the fallout. The fallout of my disobedience. I, I survived by the grace of God, the explosion. But because of my disobedience, I'm dealing with the fallout. So I'm telling you, I'm trying to warn you, please don't deal with the fallout. Get rid of the stuff now. Get rid of it now. I'm asking you to get rid of it now. What is God telling you to do? What is he asking you to do? Is it to pray for your husband? Is it to pray for your wife? Is it to get up in the morning and seek his face? What is it God telling you to do that you haven't done? What are the Amalekites in your life? Be careful not to leave them alive. So anyway... The Amalekites, right? They, they came and they came to Ziklag. Verse number two. Verse two, not verse number. Verse two. They had carried off the women and the children and everyone else without killing them. Men, men. I've been talking to men for a while. Men, this is what happens when we get called away. When we're not on our job. When we're not standing guard, man, this is what happens. The, the enemy comes and he takes our wives and our children first. That's what happens. When the strong man's away, the enemy plays. So, so David and his men, they had something important to do. They had something important to do. That's the reason the king went. The king don't go unless it's important. But the king went to go deal with it. But he left his wife Wives, brothers, we don't do that no more. No more. I see all the sisters like, we sure don't, brother. No, no, we don't do that no more. So his wives at that time, at that time, he left them vulnerable to the attack of an enemy. Man, that, that we got we to gotta stand up and do our job. No matter how important something is, be careful to not leave the most important things vulnerable. I'm never going to leave my wife and children vulnerable. That's my number one priority. I'm a pastor. I am a pastor, and I love y'all. But let me tell you something about Russ and Jeanette and them children. They are my first priority, period. Period. That's my first church. That's the first ministry right there. Because if that ain't right, this show ain't going to be right. Okay? So they don't, you know, I told y'all we on vacation. I told them, I said, y'all enjoy. I'm going to take a break from vacation. Go preach the word and I'll come back home. So they, they waiting on me. <laughs> anyway, verse 3. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could not weep any longer. Verse 5. David's two wives Ahoam and Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmel, from Carmel, were among those captured. 
David was now in great stress because all the men were angry with him at losing their sons and daughters. And they begin to talk about stoning him. Listen to me, leaders. Leaders. You want to be a leader? You want to be a leader? When anything goes wrong, be ready to take responsibility. This, this was not David's fault. But let me tell you something. They're getting ready to stone David. Because that's what it means to be a leader. It means being ready to take the heat at any time. I told y'all a couple weeks ago, it could be all my wife's fault, but I'm still responsible. Amen? It doesn't matter. That's, that's the way it is with leadership. To whom much is given, much is required. Amen? Much is required. Much is required. So they got ready to stone him. They began to stone him. But David, watch this, y'all. David encouraged himself and the Lord. He didn't, the, the, wait a minute, let me read that again. But David encouraged himself. I'm going to read that again. David encouraged himself. He did not, the preacher didn't encourage David. Uh, the, his wife didn't encourage him because she can't be found right now. It wasn't no, it wasn't his friends. It wasn't the other soldiers. The Bible says that David encouraged himself. I'm telling you, you better learn how to encourage. You better learn how to pat your own self on the back. You better learn how to tell yourself you look good. I don't need nobody telling me I look good. I tell myself. Uh, go to my bathroom and say, "Look at you. Look at you." Look at you matching head to toe. I know that hairline receding, boy, but you're going to be all right. Uh, uh. I see my hair running the opposite direction, but that's all right. We're going to make it work. I'm going to do like JB back there. Stand up, JB. I'm going to do just like him. I'm going to grow it down here and cut it off up there. You look good. Uh, you, can't, you can't expect somebody else to encourage you all the time. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen. you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. How do you encourage yourself when you have an adversary in your sovereign borders? You're going to have to go back to the Lord. Yeah. The only way they're going to be able to recoup or recover what was lost is if they get some aid. Go ahead. they got to get some assistance. Yeah. they got to have some friends. Yeah. I know a real good friend. I know, I know a real good friend. His name, his name is Jesus. I don't care how lonely you feel. You, you got a real good friend in Jesus. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. You got to learn how to go to your friends and say, hey, I need some help. I need some help. I need some help. So David, that's what David did. That's what David did. David was facing a, a difficult situation. He was distraught. His family's gone. His men are turning against him. I mean, how would you feel? Let's not just read this. Let's not just read the text. Let's really think about it and put it in context, shall we? Yes. You're around all those who have been fighting with you. Yes. They've been on your team. Yes. And you come back home and your home has been destroyed. Your, your home has been destroyed. That's the time when you would think that those homies of yours would be with you. But because they were affected by what affected you, they're no longer walking with you anymore. They, they can't walk with you anymore. And so imagine how you might feel when not only are you being attacked from without, but you're being attacked from within. What do you do then? 
when the people you usually call on the phone for encouragement won't pick up. I've been there. I've been there. When I gave my life to Jesus, I couldn't call on some of my friends. I knew the council was going to be tainted. So I had to encourage myself in the Lord. You told me, God, if I called on you, you would answer me. You told me, God, if I sought you, you would show up. You told me, God. You told me, God. You told me, God. You told me, God. I know that I can't stand on the word of my best friend, but I can stand on the word of the Lord. You told me, God. You told me, Lord. You told me, God, that you would be there. You told me, God, that if I called on you, you'd answer me. You told me, God, that if I gave, it would be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You told me, God, that if I prayed, you would heal. You told me, God. So I have to stand on the word of God when I can't see my friends. Amen? So, David, the Bible says, he strengthened himself in the Lord. Then he said to Abathar, the priest, bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod. He said, so Abathar brought the ephod. Then David asked the Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor Keith. You mean to tell me that King David comes home and his house is on fire and his wives are gone? And his children have been taken? That he didn't immediately get up and run? The, the Bible says men ought to always pray. It don't matter how dire the situation looks. You have to find yourself praying first. Never, don't make moves in your distress. Don't make moves in your distress. When you're distressed, when you're discouraged, when you're despondent, you have to get on your knees and seek God. You have to seek God. You have to seek his voice. Lord, talk to me. Talk to me, God. Show me what to do. Show me what to do. So David, in, in this situation, seeks God first. Amen? He seeks God first. He said, Lord, shall I chase? Shall I pursue? Will I catch them? And the Lord says, pursue, for you will without fail Recover all. Uh, he said, you will, you got to get up and go get your stuff. God said, yes, yes, I'm going to help you, but you got to help yourself too. You got to get up. got to go. You got to get up and go. I understand, y'all. I know, that, you know, it's, sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you're fatigued. You're fatigued. COVID wore everybody out, you know. But, but men are to always pray and not faint. You, you cannot faint. You cannot faint. I, don't, I know it's bad. I know it gets bad. I know it gets difficult. I know the country's still not exactly where we want it to be. Hadn't found our equilibrium just yet. But you still ought to be praying. Still got to be seeking God's face. Still got to be calling on his name. No matter how dire it is. You've you got to pray first. Pray first. Pray first. Then move. We actually, y'all, a lot of times we have that backwards. We move first, then we pray. That's usually, that usually am I telling the truth on us all? And me too. Usually we move first, especially if it's serious. We get up and we move, and then when it backfires on us, we start to pray. Say, Lord, forgive me, God. 
if you, if you have mercy on me, Lord, if you forgive me and deliver me, I won't ever do this again. Right? That's usually what happens. Verse 9. So David and his 600 men, I want you to pay attention to that number. 600 men set out and they came to the brook Besor. Watch this. But about 200 of the men were too exhausted, one-third, were too tired to cross over the brook. So David continued to pursue with 400 men. Everybody can't go to, with you on your road to recovery. Everybody can't go with you to get your stuff back. One third of the folks might, they might drop off. You, you, might be look, you might look to your left and they gone. Everybody can't go with you. you, you you're going to get what God told you to go get. You're doing what God told you to do. You would think that people would follow you. But everybody ain't at the same level. And those that are strong got to bear those that are weak. Amen. So everybody can't go with you. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. I have family members. I thought when I started a church, I'm just going to, can I be real with y'all? Y'all know me. Y'all know me. I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it a buck. I always do. I had family members. I thought, friends, I thought for years. When I started church, oh, I can count on them. This one going to give tithes. Y'all know I did. And this one going to sing. And this one going to help me. And that one going to do this. And let me tell you something. When I started, it was me, my wife, and three people that wasn't no kin to me. No, no. All of us friends. Everybody can't go with you. They can't. And don't, don't be mad at them. I, I, at first, I got upset. I got upset with them because I thought, man, if you loved me, you would be able to go with me to get my stuff back because this enemy has come into our sovereign borders and taken it from us. I thought you were going to go fight with me. I thought we were going to be in this together. Amen. But everybody ain't at the same level of strength as you. Amen. Amen. And man, like sometimes, y'all, I, I, I know sometimes when I'm preaching, sometimes you might feel like, ooh, this is kind of light. And sometimes some, uh, the same time you're saying that, somebody else is thinking this is kind of heavy. Because yeah. yeah. huh? not all babies eat the same thing at the same time. I ask my wife, my son, right. don't eat nothing but peanut butter crackers and yogurt. Get a boy filet meat. You get a boy filet meat, y'all. He ain't eating it. Uh, he gonna bite it and he gonna spit it out. And I say, son, the Lord says, taste and see that it's good. But he won't eat. Everybody can't do the same thing at the same time. Don't get mad. Amen. Verse eleven. Along the way, they found. Now watch this too. This is. This, I love this. Along the way. Now when you're on your way to recovering your stuff. When you're on your way to do the will of God, when you're on your way and you have obeyed what he said, God's going to put some advocates in your path. They're not always going to look rich and wealthy and well off. They're not always going to look like the next door to a promotion. But let me tell you something. God has strategically placed them in your way for a reason. Here's this Egyptian boy that was a slave to the Amalekites that's been dropped off because they thought he was too sick to make the trip. Uh-oh, uh-oh. They, they, they dropped them off. Be careful who you drop off. Be careful who you think ain't worth nothing. Be careful who you feel like can't help you till you're on your way up. Let me tell you something about those folks that look like nobody. God has made them look that way on purpose. Because the way you treat them is going to expose who you really are. The way you treat who looks like a nobody is going to show you whether you are or not. 
So the Bible says, here is this Egyptian boy in the field, and he was brought to David. Now watch what David did. David, the Bible says, they gave him some bread to eat and water to drink. Now I preached about this last week. The Bible says if your enemy hunger, you do what? You feed him. And if he thirsts, you do what? Give him drink. Listen, y'all, this was an adversary. He was a part of the people that burned Ziglag. You want to talk about forgiveness? You want to talk about getting over some stuff? And here's, here's a young man that was a part of the group. Now, just a couple, I'm going to say it anyway. Just a couple weeks ago, somebody shot at my mother's home. Huh? Just a couple weeks ago. Now, I didn't tell y'all that because, quite honestly, I'm used to it. But, but anyway, they shot at my mother's home. Now, what am I supposed to do with that? Jesus. My flesh, the flesh wants to do one thing. But the spirit man, Lord, save this young man. Deliver this young man. Bring him out of the world, Lord. I, I know what this is like, God. I've, been, I've lived that life. Help him, Lord God. Show him the right way. This is how you treat what looks like an enemy. What looks like an enemy. This, this is how you treat them. Huh? The Bible says... They gave him part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins, for he hadn't had anything to eat or drink for three days and three nights. And he ate before his strength returned. Verse 13, David asked him, to whom do you belong and where do you come from? I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite, he replied. My master abandoned me three days ago because I was sick. Don't abandon people because they can't do what they used to do. Amen. People can't do what they used to do. Don't abandon them. Stand by their side. Verse 14, and we were on our way back from raiding uh, the Carathites and Negev and the territory of Judah, which he didn't know, David. That's David's house. And the land of Caleb, and we have just burned Ziglag. Verse 15, David asked him, he says, will you lead me to this band of raiders? The young man replied, if you will take an oath in God's name that you will not kill me or give me back to my master, then I will guide you. Verse 16, so David let, let him and they found the Amalekites spread out across the field, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of their vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines, pay attention to that, and the land of Judah. Be careful who you think is a nobody be careful who you think is a, because if David had treated this young boy like the Amalekites had treated this young boy he might not have found all his stuff you treat people right because you never know who they're going to be one day I remember when I first started working in the government, there was a young man that was working in the file room with me. I was a GS2. Two. One, two. That's how it works. I was a GS2. He was a GS2, two. And we are in the file room. And he was just as nice as he could be. And I was just as nice as I could be. And the young man left. Didn't know what happened to him. I kept working for the government. I was a GS7 at this point. All of a sudden, I turn around and I see this man that went from a GS2 to a GS12. The guy I was in the mail room with, the, the fire room with, is now over my boss. 
You don't know who you're dealing with. They don't, they don't look like nobody right now. They don't look like something right now. But God has a plan for their life just like he got a plan for yours. Got a plan for them. Now, now watch this, y'all. Didn't even stop there. The young man kept on working his way up, and I think now he's a GS-14 or GS-15 from a GS-2, and this was just a few years ago. That's when you talk GS-15 and stuff, that's six figures plus, plus, plus. And, and guess what, y'all? The guy is the same as he was in the fire room. He's the same guy. You see him, he waves to you. How you doing, Keith? How's your wife doing? Oh, he's really asking her about me because they talk more than I do. Hey, Keith, how you doing? Be careful who's a nobody to you. Be careful because they, they somebody to God. That's right. God knows who they are. God, God knows who they are. He knows they're an asset. See, to, to the, the Amalekites, he was a throwaway. But for you, he's an asset, depending on how you treat him. See, a lot of folks, you want to you wanna blame somebody, but it ain't because they were a nobody. You just treated them like that. They became what you treated them like. That's what happens. When you treat something like trash, inevitably it becomes trash. I don't care if you bought it brand new. I don't care if you bought it brand new. I went and bought my wife a car. I mean, we, listen. We bought her a car because I needed her help. I couldn't do it alone. Thank God she worked. But we went and bought her a car. And uh, the other day, I, I, was, I was getting some stuff together for her. I love, love my wife. She'll get us together, right? I was, I was getting some stuff together for her birthday. And uh, I went to Walmart, and you know, I bought, it was, a, it was an Acura or whatever. And, uh, and so I went and got some river rocks, you know, river rocks, the little white rocks, you know. And so I'm doing the backyard, and I drove her car, because right, gas, right? Gas. And so I drove her little Acura, and I went to Walmart. And I, I drove, I paid for the rocks, and I went over there. And in my wisdom, as a pastor and a husband, I thought it would be OK to put these rocks in her front seat. <laughs> Rebuke me, congregation. I hear you. And then, and she has black leather seats, black. So, <laughs> dusty, dusty white river rocks. Um, I don't know what happened to my judgment. I, it was a moment. I was tired, maybe. And so, I put him in the front seat. I, I, I drove home. And all was good. All was good. And nothing was. Everything was good. I drove home, and I was getting it out the car, and unfortunately. One of the bags burst. And I tried, I tried to get, you know, I tried to get it out because I was doing something for her birthday. So I went and I tried to get everything out. And so, but I didn't get it all. And later that day, we had to go somewhere together. And I, I, I went to the driver's side like I do because I, I drive most of the time. And my wife, my wife, I love you, babe. She, she, came, she came and got in the car. And she looked down and she said, what is this? She said, I, this, this is my car. I don't, I don't have a truck. <laughs> she said, I don't have a truck, baby. I, I have, this is my little SUV. I, this is my little Acura. This ain't no, this ain't your truck. <laughs> she laughing right there. 
and, and I, but she was trying to tell me, and sometimes we have to humble ourselves and listen, man. She said, you know, she was basically saying, baby, you can't treat my little car like your big truck. This, see, this, this car was engineered for something different. But if you begin to treat my car like your truck, my car is going to cease to be my car. And it's going to be a not-so-useful truck. See? That's what happens when you treat things like they're not worth something. That was on me. That was on me. And thank you all for preaching at me on camera to Facebook and the whole world. Huh? When you love your enemies... God can use a former enemy as an asset when you love them, when you love them right, when you show the love of God to them despite how they talk to you, despite how they act, despite what they put on Facebook. When you love them right, eventually when God turns their heart, they're going to remember you. They're going to remember you. They're going to say, hey, I remember I treated you like trash and you still were kind to me. You still helped me. So let me return the favor to you. This is where the Bible says God will cause men to give into your bosom. They may not even want to do it, but God will cause them. God makes things work together. He causes things to work together. They don't just work together. God causes them to work together. That means all of the variables that are there, and God just steps in and changes the makeup of it all. Causes it to work for your good. If you, if, but it, but you got to do it his way, though. You got to do it right when, you, when you're going to get your stuff back. I know that's, that's where I'm going. Don't worry. Don't worry. David, verse 17. David and his men rushed in among them, watch this y'all, and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until the evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men that fled on camels. David got back everything that the Amalekites had taken. Get up and go get your stuff back. Get up and go get your stuff back. Somebody, somebody, say, somebody say, Pastor, what about time? What about time? Go read in the book of Joel chapter 2. God says, I will restore the time. I don't care what it is. God says, I will restore. If you will obey me, I'll restore to you everything that was eaten, everything that was lost, everything that was collateral damage, I'll restore it unto you. you. If you will do what I tell you to do, you will obey me. Verse 18. Now, I want you to notice now before, before y'all, Remember that the Amalekites didn't only go and raid David's camp. They had raided the camp of the Philistines too. Who incidentally were the enemies of David. So when David went and did what God told him to do, he got all his stuff back from the Amalekites. Then he got some of his adversary stuff for free. For free. For free. I... I didn't even ask for that. That was just extra. 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 Just, just, just because that's the way God operates. That's the way God works. When you go and do what God says and you obey him and you do it his way. Well, you do it his way. 
God will bless you, not only with what you lost, but he'll give you some stuff that wasn't even yours to begin with. He'll bless you. He'll bless you in the city and in the field. He'll bless you in your outgoing and your coming in. He'll bless you in your downsetting and your uprising. He'll bless you without measure if you just do it God's way. The Bible says that David prayed and he went and recovered all. Everything. Everything. All his stuff. All my stuff. The Bible says, verse 19, nothing was missing. Small nor great. Son nor daughter. You plan for your sons and your daughters. You begin to do it God's way. You stand on the word of God. I'm telling you right now, God will move on your behalf. When you do it God's way, I, I feel the Holy Ghost here. And you begin to do it God's way. God will restore unto you even your sons and your daughters. Now, I hadn't, I hadn't talked to anybody this morning, but the Lord knows. He will restore whatever was lost. You praying about your sons? God will restore. You praying about your daughters? God will restore. You praying about your mothers? God will restore. You praying about your brothers or your sisters? God will restore. You praying about your husbands or your wives? God will restore. If you praying about your job, God will restore. You praying about your bank account? God can restore. When you do it God's way. When you do it God's way. When you do it God's way. When you do it God's way, I want you to notice the Bible says that nothing, none of them had been killed, y'all. Whatever, whatever you had and you don't have anymore doesn't mean it was destroyed. It's just been misplaced. You got to go get it. Seek and you shall find. It's just, it ain't, it, listen, it's just lost or misplaced. It, it hadn't been killed. It hadn't been destroyed utterly. God didn't let, God didn't let the Amalekites kill David's children. They, they were taken. Your children might have been taken, but they won't be destroyed. They, they might have been taken. They, they may have been taken. I don't, your job may have been taken, but it's not going to be destroyed because God's got it, his hand on me. Who's going to take you out of my hand? He said, I'm God. Who's who going to take you out of my hand? Who gonna, if, you, if you say, God, God, I trust you, Lord. I made a mistake. I made a mistake when I was a young parent. I, I made a mistake. But God, you'll restore. You'll repair. You'll return. You'll replenish. You'll refurbish. You're able, God. They, they say, are they in my hand? Who's who going to take them out of my hand? Who's going to be able to say, when I close the door, who's going to open the door? When I open the door, can't nobody close it because I spoke a word about your children already. He said, you will be saved. And your children, the word already, when I will be He's already spoke the word over you. He already spoke the word over you. Forget about the money at Ziglag. Forget about the gold at Ziglag. I don't care about all that. I want my wife and my children. That's what the men were upset about. Forget all of the stuff. That's collateral damage. But I want my kids and I want my wife. That's what I want. I want my children to know Jesus. I want my children to know the Lord. I want them to know that they can be delivered 
But they don't have to suffer through stuff like I did. That's the one thing I want to teach my children. You don't have to suffer like daddy did. I went through it, baby, so you don't have to. Let, let my pain be an example to you. Let my hurt be an example to you so that you can move forward and have joy. That's, that's the reason we leave an inheritance, right? Because we don't want them to start where we started. We want to give them something to stand on. That's, that's what Jesus can be in your children's lives. Get giving them money. The money going to burn up. Forget giving them houses and cars. Give them Jesus. Give him Jesus. Because he said, if you seek me, he said, if you seek after me, seek God and his righteousness, all the other stuff come too. If you give them Jesus, the other stuff will come too. The other stuff will come too. Amen. Testing. Can y'all hear me out there? I think my mic went out. Testing. Well, I'm going to preach anyway without the microphone. Anyway. The Bible says, Nothing missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. Let's go to the book of Joel, chapter 2. I'm, I'm done after this. Joel, chapter 2, and then I'm done. Joel chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 25. This is the word of the Lord. This is not me. This is the word of God. This was the prophet Joel speaking to the people of God. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. And I, this is God talking. God says, I will restore. You don't have to look for somebody else to restore. God said, I will restore. He says, I will restore all the years that the locusts have eaten, and the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, and my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Don't worry about it, guys. It's the batteries. Don't worry about it. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Testing. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to God. Get with God. Oh, thank you. Get with God. Oh, Amen. Like I said before, He'll restore. Yes. He'll repair. Yes. Replace. Replenish. Revive. Yes. Renew. Yes. Refurbish. Yes. Regenerate. Reignite. And refill over and over and over again. Yes. If you get with God, you can go get your stuff. If you get with God, you can go get your stuff. Amen? Y'all put your hands to Kenny. Kenny, he's trying to get me a Appreciate that, brother. Good people around you. It's good to have good people around you. Amen? Amen. 
restoration, getting things back, that starts with repentance. Amen. That's, that's where it starts. Amen. Amen. You have to repent yes. for God to restore. Amen. Amen. You have to repent. God, where have I allowed some Amalekites to survive? Will you forgive me for being disobedient? Huh? I, I know we have made mistakes that we thought was going to end us. I know it. I've done it. When I first got married, I got introduced to something called a credit card. I almost wrecked my life. I thought I had messed it up. I thought it was over. But little by little, following after God, doing it his way, God has worked it out. He's worked it out so that I could take an early retirement and do what I love to do, which is preach the word to you. Win souls. Learn. When me and my wife first got married, I could, she ain't here. I can say whatever I want to say. I know I got to go home, though, I know. But I can drive around the block to the gas run out. When we first got married, and I have done that, just so y'all know, I just, circles. When we first got married, we were, my wife was very driven, very type A. Anybody else in here type A? All the sisters with their hair raised, type A. The brothers are type B. That's just the way it works, usually. And uh, so I would say, babe, Babe, let's go to a movie. Let's go to a movie. You know, because I wanted to go with my boot thing to a movie. And she would be like, no, we got a budget. We got to do, we can't afford it. That's right. Used to be Jack in the Box tacos we used to fight over. 99 cents, y'all, 99 cents. My wife getting the little Honda Civic we were sharing. You went to Jack in the Box? <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. And I'd be like, girl, you know, I tried to let the windows down and drive fast. None of that works. And, uh, and she, uh, we would, we, she would say, no, we don't have time. We don't have time. And we've been married almost 15 years now. And she would say, we'd have conversations. She would say, babe, I feel like I lost that time. So I wish I would have thought about it. Young people, young married couples, spend time together. You, you ain't going to get it back. It's only going one direction. Huh? It's only going to go one direction. Your hair the same, brothers. It's only going one direction. Huh? Literally, I've had nightmares about my hair. Literally. But you know what, though? Thank you. I have, I have enjoyed my marriage more. These last few years, I mean, over and abundant and beyond what I don't think could have been in the first few years. God restored. He restored. He gave us an understanding. He gave us an understanding of how much we love each other. How much time y'all just want to be around. You know, I'm downstairs working on my sermon. I get a text message. What you doing? Girl, you know what I'm doing. When you coming to bed? Hey. Right now. 
immediately. Immediately. But y'all are laughing at me. Immediately, immediately, and I mean it. Right now. I'm texting and walking through the door at the same time. Yeah, suddenly. And so God has restored. He's moved and he's made ways. He's changed things. But that had to be an acknowledgement of the failure. That was an acknowledgement of, of where we messed up. Not only to God, but to one another. So it starts with repentance. God, forgive me. I made a mistake. And God, the enemy is telling me that it's irrevocable. It's insurmountable. It is impossible. But the word says, with man it shall be impossible. But with God, nothing shall be. 